Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Lynn Cullen Still Alive. It's June 10th. Uh, it's a Wednesday, and as is usually the case in these uh, strange times, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I do not know where to begin. Let me begin with something that happened actually during the show yesterday and then immediately after, because um, you all probably know all this now, but I want to tell you how it just blew me away, how these things happen, how we get information in these times, and how it is so important and often so difficult to know what sources of information are trustworthy. And this, in part, is what uh, Donald Trump, with his fake news, fake news, has attempted, and very successfully, uh, to do. Of course, he's aided and abetted by purveyors of false information, um, like Fox News and, um, and others, and right-wing media. But what happened was, is during the show yesterday, I'm, you know, I'm often talking at the same time, trolling through my um, emails here. And I got an email from one of you that I sort of read very, very quickly. And I thought, what? It seemed absurd to me. And the person who sent it is a person who sends me some really good information. And what she was telling me is that she said MSNBC had reported, had reported or mentioned, because surely they didn't, but they reported that the elderly protester in Buffalo who was, you know, who was seriously injured uh, by police um, that he was uh, uh, an Antifa uh, operative. And I saw that and I thought, what bull? I mean, come on, what bull? How would him? And I couldn't deal with it, so I just let it go. After the show, I start looking around, not specifically for that, because frankly, I forgot about that. It was just. And I came upon a piece by the Daily Beast, um, which was about uh, Trump's new favorite uh, channel when he gets angry at Fox News because they might sort of suggest that he did something not quite right. Um, he, he suggests that a better uh, news source might be uh, One America news network. Never mind that this One America news network has no uh, appreciable audience. Of course, Trump is building it. Um, One America news network is a 
out and out purveyor of disinformation. In fact, as the I'll, I'll just share some of what this story says, the Daily Beast stories. They suggest that if you look at this so-called net news network, it you feel like you're looking at outtakes from a Kremlin trolling operation. And then they go to their story, which is, and there may be a reason for that, because one of their main reporters is a Russian national, also has been or is still on the payroll of the Kremlin's official propaganda outlet, Sputnik. His name is Christian Ruse. Not sure how he pronounces that. And they go into detail about this guy. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. So this network that Trump keeps uh, promoting has as one of their major reporters a Russian <laughs> propaganda operative. He works for Sputnik, and he works for Trump's new favorite network. The Daily Beast said he's been simultaneously writing for Sputnik, which is Kremlin-owned. That is their – it's a propaganda. Also, according to the U.S. Intelligence Committee, uh, Sputnik was also uh, heavily uh, part of Russia's 2016 election interference uh, operation here. And – they go on to talk about this guy's reporting, how he totally makes things up. He suggests that uh, they said that uh, he suggested that uh, George Soros um, is behind, is secretly funding the migrant caravans. By the way, at Tree of Life took in and thought these Jews, these Jews are going to, you know, destroy us. They are Soros, the Jew, bringing these people in. I'm going to go kill these Jews who I hear have given money to these refugee efforts. Okay, so 11 dead people around the corner from where I sit right now. This is pure Kremlin-based propaganda. And the report goes on about this specific reporter, and I was just blown away by it. Well, then I see very shortly thereafter, <clears throat> I'm continuing to you know scroll around on my on my Twitter feed, and bang, what comes up? something from NBC News. <laughs> and NBC News says, President Trump tweets Antifa conspiracy theory that originated on an anonymous blog. And this, of course, is the president's now, uh, you know, uh, it even outraged people who aren't normally outraged. Uh, his suggestion that the uh, the poor injured gentleman in Buffalo was uh, exactly what the first thing that had created my 
interest. I'm getting so mixed up here. I can't believe this. So anyway, I see, I start reading this NBC report, and I find out that, okay, the president picked this up from One America News Network, from a report by the Kremlin reporter guy, Ruse, Christian Ruse, that it was his report that our president watched, took as truth, and then ran with it. My understanding is is they're doubling down on this on this network, and they are, you know, and and Trump's own press secretary has said questions must be asked. There's no backing away. They are coming on strong with this obvious false information, because if you start to learn more about how the Kremlin operates, this they don't care. If we know it's false information, what they want to do and have really rather successfully done to us with Trump aiding and abetting and Fox aiding and abetting with the fake news thing is to undermine our belief that anything we read is true. And to let us know that false stories will come from government, will come from news networks, and thus, over time, what do we do? We cease to believe anything. We cease to trust anything. And this is all Vladimir Putin wanted in the first place. If you want to take down your enemy, make their people stop believing that there is truth. Make their people skeptical about anything that they hear. Make their people believe that, of course, they are being lied to. And so here it was. I had just read about this Kremlin-financed reporter at Trump's new favorite television network, and the big story that was blowing up all over the place was Trump picking up that reporter's misinformation and tweeting it out. I have often said that we have a president that is not a Manchurian candidate because he won, supposedly. He is a man. I is following the Kremlin's playbook. Unbelievable. It made me very fearful. Truly. You know, you feel like you're living in some kind of, well, I've been saying we fell down the rabbit hole for actually before Trump. (laughs) So, but we're so, I mean, 
I remember when I was a kid, I really believed if you dug a hole deep enough, you'd come out, uh, you know, you'd end up in China. Well, strangely, I sort of feel like we're getting very close to China. This hole is getting really, really deep. I mean, I then read, I then read that the president is working on a speech. Well, he's not working on the speech, but he's working on a uh, a speech about, um, I guess, racial discrimination and uh, and an effort to, um, I guess, uh, bring us together. Um, and the person who's writing this very important speech is uh, Stephen Miller. Well, you can't make that up. I mean, Stephen Miller is, well, I needn't tell you. So I was driven to tweet out this. What? What? Stephen Miller, what? Wasn't, was David Duke not available? That's what I tweeted out. And a lot of people liked it and blah, 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 blah. Then a friend of mine sends me another tweet from Ana Navarro Cardenas, the uh, CNN uh, analyst. And she had tweeted out, thank God after me, because otherwise it would look like I, after me, she tweeted out the same and said, why? Was David Duke not available? The exact same thing. Wow. Yeah, we all have uh, understandable, uh, contemporaneous reactions. <laughs> uh, and Bree writes, in 2016 or so, the FCC changed the rules so that now no, I don't think it was too – no, it was just the other day, uh, the the FCC. I, I mentioned it on the show. The FCC has changed the rule and is now allowing foreign entities, foreign governments, uh, to have 100% ownership of broadcast networks and stations in the United States. I – I mentioned that. It's not 2016. It's now. It's Trump's FCC that did that. So, okay, a lot of things to talk about. Tomorrow, I am hoping that um, Ryan Dito, uh, the our main reporter at uh, Pittsburgh City Paper will join us. He has been covering not only the um, the protests here, but also uh, the uh, extraordinary goings-on at our daily newspaper, uh, the Post-Gazette. And uh, today, the editors of the Post-Gazette uh, wrote a defense um, um, on their front page, um, that is, I think, incoherent, but 
I want to first share with you this, just in case you're not up to speed on what's going on with local media. Um, and a lot of people's, I guess, major print source of local news is still the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, and there has been real trouble there. As you know, a, a black a reporter was removed uh, from covering the protests. A black photographer was removed from covering the protests. And all of this denied, by the way, um, by the editor, uh, Keith Burris, in his uh, so-called defense today. But the best thing that explains from inside what has been happening, and by the way, what's been happening at the Post-Gazette has brought embarrassing national attention to that paper. Uh, many, many stories have been written um, and op-eds written about what's happening. In fact, an opinion piece I was uh, quoting some of it yesterday to you, uh, and I didn't go into this part, went on to um, talk about the fact that Alexis Johnson, the black reporter, was pulled. And that was in a New York Times opinion piece uh, yesterday, and I, it was a big part of that. But I, 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 I didn't get into it because there's so much um, else that I wanted to be sure that you, that you knew. Um, this is all from um, Alex Miller. Um, and Alex Miller says this. This is rather long, but he, um, I guess it's a he. Alex can be a either way. I want you to hear his account. I was working at the paper, at the Post-Gazette, when Keith Burris took over as executive editor last year. My job was to, de to design the newspaper's front page. This was a great vantage point for watching Burris run the newsroom. From it, I observed a catastrophic breakdown in journalistic ethics. Here, I'll emphasize that the rank-and-file journalists at the paper do amazing work despite intolerable conditions. They have not had a contract for like 7,000 years. There's no bargaining in good faith. They have the, the, the reporters that work there are working there under such duress. It's hard to articulate it. Back to Alex Miller, who happily is no longer there. The problems I witnessed were entirely the fault of the paper's top editors. News coverage should be objective and free of bias. Under Burris, the paper became less objective and more biased. Sometimes the bias was nakedly political, but often it came in the form of Burris and publisher owner John Block's constipated opinions on race and racism. They don't take racism seriously, especially when people of color speak out against it. 
when Congress held an historic session to debate reparations for slavery, and when Trump lobbed racist insults at Elijah Cummings in the city of Baltimore, newspapers across the country ran those stories prominently, not the Post-Gazette. On both occasions, Burris intervened to have the story stripped off the front page where editors had planned to run them. When the paper ran a story about the U.S. House voting to condemn Trump for his racist comments, editors were ordered to rewrite the headline to remove the word racist. In other words, they were told to avoid mentioning the thing that the story was about. Last summer, Burris tried to kill a powerful piece of investigative journalism about the Pittsburgh-based Colcom Foundation. It markets itself as an environmental organization, but Post-Gazette reporters revealed it mostly exists to bankroll the U.S. anti-immigration movement, including a number of entities that have been labeled hate groups. Um, hang on, I lost my place. Burris eventually backed down, but he ordered cuts in the piece, removing comments from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Days after the story ran, he convened a meeting of editors and told them the Qualcomm piece was a bad story, the kind he did not want written in the future. As for Block, the mere images of black people are enough to set him off. When a front page story about computer coding boot camps was illustrated with a photo of a black programmer, Block became furious. The photo ran in an early edition of the paper, but for the later editions, he ordered it removed. Top editors also intervened to remove a front page photo of a demonstration against a white Pittsburgh firefighter who was charged with assaulting a black boy. They insisted the photo was not important enough for the front page. When a Pittsburgh man was arrested for attempting to bomb a north side church, we ran a photo of the mostly black congregation. Block hated it. He told editors they should not have run it, that it was somehow irrelevant to the story. Considering what I witnessed, I think it is an impressive feat of gaslighting for Burris and Block to accuse their journalists of bias when these top editors are themselves deeply biased and they inject their biases directly into the Post-Gazette's news coverage. If you want to understand what Burris stands for, just read his profoundly racist opinion column headlined Reason as Racism, in which he defended Trump's shithole country's remark and dismissed talk of racism as the new McCarthyism. His musings on race are reliably awful. He has defended the woman who called the police on a black man who asked her to leash her dog in Central Park. He's defended a white supremacist who was rejected by Harvard. He claimed the United States is the least racist country in the world. Burris wrote recently about the national need for empathy. 
he could begin by showing some to his employees. One of the recurring themes is the difficulty of obtaining redemption once you've been outed. One of his recurring themes is the difficulty of of obtaining redemption once you've been outed, um, as he puts it, by the Me Too society, the gotcha society. But if he and I are reading the same Bible, redemption comes only after atonement. I have detected no remorse from the Post-Gazette's management team. It is past time for them to reinstate Alexis Johnson, Michael Santiago, and the other journalists they've sidelined. While they're at it, they could offer cartoonist Rob Rogers his old job back, too. One of Burris's first acts was to fire him for making fun of Donald Trump and throwing jabs at the president's racism. The Post-Gazette is not what it used to be. Burris and Block crippled a once fine newspaper by using it to promote their hard right views on race, by violating the norms of ethical journalism, and by their petty and malicious treatment of good journalists. I don't have faith that these two have the courage or self-awareness to fix what they've broken. But any path toward redemption begins with an admission of guilt. That's from Alex Miller, who had been the person who was supposed to put the front page of the PG together and witnessed all of this. But that's all on that today. Tomorrow, I want to, um, I'm, I think Ryan will be coming on. I want him to just take us through this and, um, and also... On, um, hang on here. Something just come in. I need to. Oh, well. Um, okay. So tomorrow, I, uh, we'll talk more about these local issues. Okay. There's so much going on. Uh, you, you just can't, uh, you can't keep up. You can't. Um, I am increasingly worried about how so many people I know and clearly people I don't have decided that the pandemic is over. Um, (laughs) it isn't, it is every bit as with us as it was when we were paying more attention and, um, Dr. Fauci, as you as you know, who, by the way, we never see anymore because there are no briefings anymore coming from the White House. We this country is heading into um, something that I hate to even fathom. Because. Along with Brazil, I would say we are the only country I am aware of that has absolutely no national leadership to take on this extraordinary public health crisis. Over 110,000 Americans already dead, over a million sickened, 
And I can assure you that number, 110, that's going to double. So when we first heard, remember, quarter of a million of us could die. No one could even take that in. This is what's going to happen. We don't have the fact that what we have is every state for itself. Viruses don't know about state borders. You cannot fight a virus state by state. It requires a nationally led effort. We not only don't have that, we have zero, zero leadership. And in fact, when our federal government has acted, it has done so incompetently or exacerbating the problem. The president, of course, wanting everything to open back up. And we're already seeing since some states followed his, all right, let's everybody open up. There are reports now of hospitals in rural areas in the southwest of the United States overwhelmed, right? Not having the equipment they need. And so what happened in New York City is going to be happening all over the country in spots, hot spots all over the place. As we Americans happily go about our lives, I frankly feel, just as we're being given the green light, that this is probably the most dangerous time since we started. I'm just passing that on to you. That's what I think. And Dr. Fauci says this. He was asked, when's it going to end? Oh, my goodness, he said. Where's it going to end? We're still at the beginning. And to come back and conflate these two horrors our racism and this pandemic, he goes on to say that the coronavirus has been a double whammy for black people. First, he said, because they're more likely to be exposed to the disease by way of their employment in jobs that cannot be done from the safety of their homes. Second, they are more vulnerable to severe illness because they have higher rates of underlying conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure and chronic lung disease, poor people conditions. And Fauci says this, given the disparities, it is essential to focus more resources to control the coronavirus in areas with high-density black populations. Is that being done? Hell no. Okie doke. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read some of your stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even care. House Speaker Mike Terzai, a truly horrible human being, is going to is resigning. He was going. He's going to leave office early. He was leaving anyway. Wants to jump into the private sector and make even more ill-gotten gains, no doubt. There is a um, a full page in the New York Times today that is that is filled with quotations from leaders in American history. Uh, at the head, it says it quotes Mark Twain. Patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. A lot of people have trouble with that, then that they conflate the government with the country. But there are these quotes from people, and they're interspersed with quotes from our current president. And of course, the the contrast is mind blowing. And history, the writers of this time of history, will well, the readers of this history who didn't live it, will be hard pressed to comprehend what happened to us that we allowed this horrible man and this awful party to take power. Let me just share with you what some other presidents and others have have said so that we are reminded of what leadership looks like and what this country is about. Okay, just a few. President Harry Truman, America was not built on fear. America was built on courage, nation, and an unbeatable determination to do the job at hand. Now, that sounds presidential. This is a great one from FDR. Human kindness has never weakened the stamina, excuse me, human kindness has never weakened the stamina or softened the fiber of a free people. A nation does not have to be cruel in order to be tough. Well, that'd be news to a lot of MAGA people. And speaking of cruelty, man, that reminds me. Did you see that Trump has signed off on reinstating uh, hunting? To call this hunting is unbelievable. Um, Hunting methods that have been denounced for ages and have been banned in the United States. 
I, of course, an administration that, like FDR, knew that we do not have to be cruel in order to be tough. In case you didn't hear it, uh, Trump has uh, lifted the ban on killing Okay, here's what you now can do. You can bait grizzly bears with donuts soaked in bacon grease. You can use spotlights to blind and then shoot hibernating black bear mothers and their cubs in their dens. You can gun down swimming caribou from motorboats. Oh, what fun. How exciting. The National Park Service policy published the new rules yesterday. Reversing Obama administration rules and giving the worst of humans the green light to head into our national preserves to kill wolves and coyotes, including their pups, during the season when their mothers are weaning their young. The go-ahead, the green light for using dogs to hunt bears. Go right ahead. You want to shoot that cute little cub? Go for it. Want to blind its mother first in her den? You want to get that coyote while she's nursing her pups? Go for it. Despicable. Alexander Hamilton, I think the first duty of society is justice. Something I think a lot of Americans now see more clearly. Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, what the people want is very simple. They want an America as good as its promise. President Ulysses S. Grant Leave the matter of religion to the family, the church, and the private school. Keep the church and state separate forever. Now, this shows you how far in the wrong direction the right wing has taken us. Ulysses S. Grant, was he known as some raging uh, liberal? Some commie, uh, there wasn't any commies then, hadn't been invented. Well, uh, I, I, you know, it's beyond me. He, he understood that important tenet of America. And I suspect that the majority of Americans 
no longer do. I suspect that the members of our Supreme Court no longer do. We have gone very far down the rabbit hole. And it ain't going to be easy climbing our way out of it. President Eisenhower, a people that values its privileges above its principles, soon loses both. Donald Trump. More people attended my inauguration than any other president's. Donald Trump. Anyone who wants a test can get one. Donald Trump. Mainstream media will do anything to protect Democrats and defend lawlessness. Albert Einstein. Whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. And finally, Abraham Lincoln. The people are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who pervert it. That's what our job is, to overthrow the men who pervert it. And it ain't going to happen with one election. And it ain't going to happen if we're in the streets every day from now until the election. This is a process that is going to take constant effort. We have to keep our eye on the prize I think that's Martin Luther King. I'm not sure. I think we have a call. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. I'm okay. Um, Hey, you were talking about um, religion. And uh, something that always got me is, um, well, some of the speeches like Abraham Lincoln said that the soldiers believed in the same God, and <clears throat> people say that, well, we all believe in the same God. I, I disagree with that. I, yeah. If I did believe, I won't tell you if I do or I don't, because I'll keep it in church or home. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say. Mm-hmm. But you believe in the Bible's God, which is a jealous and an angry God. I believe in a God that's understanding and compassionate. So we don't believe in the same God. So that line of garbage is out the door. So if you don't believe in the teachings of the Bible, that, the stuff that went on in the Bible you read is <laughs> so terrible. And how can you say that God did that? That God killed this, this 
said, go get these people, go get those people. That's why when they say that, I've got in arguments with people because I don't tell them if I'm a believer. I don't. I don't get into all that. But I don't believe in the same God because you believe in the angry and jealous God. I don't. Who are you telling me I believe in the angry, jealous God? I don't think you do. I wouldn't think so. But there's people that believe what the Bible says, so then you're believing well, in a God. Well, my faith, my faith uh, doesn't have a New Testament, doesn't have Jesus. Yeah, right. No, we've got, we got that angry God you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never, uh, you know, it's always so puzzled I me. <laughs> it's always puzzled me a great deal. Um, so, um, I, you know, I think most of us believe our own iteration in a way. We right. we create the God that we can uh, handle or right. believe or whatever and and you know god itself is a to me a i mean i cannot ever buy into the um you know the rote mythology that surrounds religions i can't i can't yeah. you know and the miracles and all that kind of stuff i can't do it um but you know i i don't know I do I believe not. that we humans are tiny little inconsequential life forms, and um, I, I think uh, I do agree that we created God uh, to to help make some sense of what the heck it is we're doing here. Um, but I, there's no reason, you know, we all have our own. I don't know. We all have to figure that out on our own. No one's going to prove any of us wrong, right? Right. Right. So whatever whatever works. Creation. (laughs) Whatever works. I'm not sure, and I always thought that that religion has anything to do with creation. Oh, they say it does, but I don't know if it does. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it was man-made, manufactured by the man. You could tell. I mean, they hated women in it. I mean, right there tells you how it, it wasn't written by a woman. That's for damn sure. So oh, it's, no. you know what I mean? It's really, you get into this. That's why I kind of try to stay away from it. Okay, yeah. I you. And it certainly doesn't belong intertwined with government of a disparate oh, people. Oh, that's what I was saying. I want the separation of church yeah, and state. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we have really fallen away. From that, our tax dollars now under this administration are going into so many religious organizations and holding up uh, organizations that uh, should not be getting my tax dollars or yours. So, I I hear you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. And you know, I mean, no disrespect to anybody's belief. I really don't. I'm. I in. You know, I always cringe when um, when atheists uh, mock uh, people of faith. Uh, some of the most remarkable humans on earth have been people of great faith, and their their greatness has been informed by their faith. So, uh, nah, everybody, as far as I'm concerned, gets to navigate this. This veil of tears, uh, you know, in their own way. 
as long as they're not, you know, hurting anybody else. Um, I have another caller, I believe. Hello? Hi, Lynn. Hi. You know, if there's only one God, Lynn, why are there so many religions? <laughs> well, you know, you got more than one suit of clothes. I mean, I don't know. You know, people like variety. Look, don't ask me. We shouldn't even be heading into this. Is that what you no, really want to talk No, let's no. not. Would, would you repeat what uh, Einstein said? Uh, you like that one? He said, he who um, would lie, let me get it, Uh, whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. Hello, Donald. Yeah, I know. I mean, hello. Hello. (laughs) There it is. Earlier you were talking about, uh, you know, the coronavirus and how it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's done, it's over, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. If you listen to the um, sports programs on the radio, these people are apoplectic about, we got to get sports going. We got to get people back in the stadiums. Keep them oh, six, six feet apart, but we have to do this because we need sports. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I think for some people that is their major entertainment, and so it's hard for them. It's really hard for them, and most of those people are guys. It's true, probably white guys who like to watch mostly black guys, uh, you know, play gamblers. Yeah. Oh, right, gamblers. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. People are, you know, I guess we're we're all now, we're in this state where we want to believe what we want to believe. So we want to believe that this uh, coronavirus thing is over. And so out we go. And geez, wow. (laughs) I swear. Go ahead. Like you said about Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Boom. He disappeared. Well, because there's no, we only saw him because there were supposedly these briefings. <laughs> and now, according to the, Donald Trump, the coronavirus is an unpleasant subject, so it disappeared. It's gone. There's no, there's not even a, the, the, the whatever that was, the com, coronavirus task force. That's gone. What drove him crazy, Lynn, was that Fauci wouldn't back him up on his absurd, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Statements and he'd go, Well, I don't know. Yeah. Or like he said, uh, it, we're just at the beginning. God. God, I don't know. It's just unbelievable. Trump wants to start his rallies up. He doesn't know. This guy is in so deep, and I just worry because I mean, I've always been worried. Um, on a good day, this guy is erratic, but he ain't having any good days lately. And you cannot. Um, you know, we've all seen things we never thought we would see in this administration. And I, that is not going to stop. So what are we heading into? I, I can't even imagine. And to see the cowardice of the Republicans in the Congress. 
um, who couldn't even couldn't even say that what Trump said yesterday about that poor man in the hospital, uh, that poor old protester, that he said he was an Antifa operative. That is a flat out slander and lie and made up of whole cloth coming out of that Kremlin news reporter and Republican senators and congressmen will not say that's wrong because they're that afraid of him and his repulsive base. And that shows a level of cowardice that, frankly, I did not think was possible. All they care about is themselves and their own holding on to their own power. They don't care about anything but themselves. Did you see that piece on CNN where they had a reporter is the uh, Republican senators were walking through the hallway. Yeah, they just run from them, right? And they were asking, what do you think about Trump, you mm-hmm. know, dispersing I didn't see the it. Yeah. Dispersing I didn't see it, right? Is that what they say? I didn't see it? Yeah, right. What? So if what? I didn't see it, it didn't happen. You know, they got to, it's like, I can't see it. So it didn't happen. Like, unbelievable. Cowardice. Most of them just didn't say anything. They just no, walked. No, cowards. Okay, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Remember when I told you the joke about the three-legged chicken? Yes. You remember that joke? Yeah, well, I never remember jokes. So I do remember, and I laughed a lot, but I don't remember the joke. I never do. Well, it doesn't matter. But earlier today, I was watching uh, YouTube, and I was watching uh, Ronald Reagan, you know, kind of like the best of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. He told that joke at the State of the Union. The three-legged chicken joke? Yes. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, the tell, same... tell the joke again because I forgot it. Tell that. This guy's driving down the road. He looks out his side window and there's a three-legged chicken running right along with him, 50 miles an hour. Suddenly, the chicken speeds up, runs ahead of him, goes up, makes a left down a dirt road. So this guy follows him, but loses sight of the chicken. But there's a layout in the yard. So he gets out, and he said, did you just see a three-legged chicken run by here? Yeah. Well, what's with the, you know, what's with it? He goes, well, I raised him. You do? Yeah. Well, what's with the three legs? Well, you know, would you like a chicken leg? Would your wife like a chicken leg? Would your son like a chicken leg? Yeah. Well, well, how do they taste? I don't know. I've never been able to catch one. <laughs> Is that? That was the joke? That was Ronald Reagan. Oh, for heaven's sake. Okay, I got no. one more for you, okay, before I get right, right. on. Sure. All right. This guy goes into the doctor. Nurse comes out and asks him, um, it's a problem. It's a problem with my penis. Well, what's the problem? Take your pants down. 
He goes, no, you'll lapse. I've been a nurse for 30 years. I won't lapse. So he drops his pants, and his penis is the size of a AAA battery. And the nurse busts out laughing. After a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds, she composes herself and says, I'm sorry, what's the problem? <laughs> swollen. All right, you. All right, you. Take a bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, hey, what would you think about that smooth running of a, uh election in the uh, state of Georgia uh, yesterday? That's a state, of course, Stacey Abrams uh, lost uh, her election, and she said uh, she didn't think she did lose it, that there was all kinds of shenanigans going on. And you look at those lines, people standing, sitting in the heat, in the rain, an awful lot of black people. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You're looking there at how good Republicans who... You'll know him because governor is overseas, uh, or secretary of state, I believe, whatever it is, uh, oversees the elections. Um, man, they are so good at knowing how to screw up elections so that people don't get a chance to vote or just lose the energy. People who might have to, like, work. And again, this during a pandemic that was blatant voter suppression. And we can tell people to go vote. But if, and I think LeBron James uh, tweeted something like this, but if the system is rigged as it clearly is in many places to deny people their vote, then telling them to vote ain't gonna, isn't enough. We've got to clean these legislative bodies of the people who do this. That's Republicans. That is Republicans. And then we've got to make sure they'll come back. They're like cockroaches. You've got to stay committed. This is not an easy fight. Not. Oh, God. Wait a minute. I'm in my hole. Also, is there anything else I wanted to get in? Um, oh, uh, hang on. Actually, oh, yeah, I wasn't getting your emails. There they are. Hang on. Let's see what you guys are talking about. Uh, Bob says, wasn't Ryan Dito supposed to come on a few weeks ago to talk about the demise of another beloved, turned beloved local media source, KDK Radio? Yeah, well, all of that we can talk about. We, this city's in trouble with our media. We've got, 
I, I forget which major business organization, um, I mean, a, not a liberal organization, a like more uh, you know, business-oriented, was going to put a full-page ad in um, the Post-Gazette, and they pulled it. They pulled it because they don't want to enrich these, this racist block. But we're left with this conundrum of what about the reporters who work for him? I don't know. Uh, Brian says, here's something that will make your viewers smile. Someone uploaded to YouTube your old Cullen on Cable show. Oh, I know who did that. Mark, you did that, didn't you? Have to be because this is not where I had Doug Hearth as a guest. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, that should come up. You know, you can Google Cullen on cable. I think there's a few of those shows up, or Google Doug. Uh, One sad moment though. Doug jokingly tells a caller he's 71, which he isn't. He only made it to 66. And then Brian says, "You had big hair back then." I think you look better now, 21 years later. How long did you have that show? I don't know. I think I did that show about uh, two years, and I was burning the candle at uh, seven ends at that point. I had, um, I was a single parent of, uh, let's see if it's 99, of a seven-year-old boy, and I, um, I did that. I want you to hour and in order to do that i had to get up well before six um and you know get whatever it was i was going to do figure out what i was going to do i'd make up each show that morning and um i would do the show uh till 11 i would run out the door jump in my car head across the river and uh, go to my three-hour radio show at uh, WPTT at the time. So I did four full hours, one TV, three radio, of um, of off-the-cuff talk. And, um, and then was a single mom. And I'd get home, by, you know, a little after, like 3.30-ish, and be there for, you know, to be a mom. But I, I began, I didn't even realize it. I, my body's the one that always tells me, you are way over capacity here, lady. And I became sick. I became so ill. And no one could figure out what was wrong with me. But I was so ill, I could barely move. I would, sh- my legs would shake. I was just, I was scared out of my mind. I mean, I was bedridden, so I couldn't do any of it. Um, and when I started to sort of come back, um, I remember making one effort. I drove out to the radio and thought, I can do, and I think I can do this. And I got up to the studio and just, was so spent I couldn't move and they told me go home 
So it was it was bad. And then I I thought something's got to go. Well, my son wasn't going, <laughs> but something had to go. And whenever I had a choice between dropping radio or dropping TV, I always dropped TV. So that's when I dropped uh, Cullen on cable and just stayed with the three-hour radio, which I was able to do. So, yeah. Chuck writes, see the graph below. This comes from the New York Times. This is current as of today, June 10th. Oh, dear. Although deaths across the United States continue to decline, new cases since May 28th, which is when we started reopening the economy, new cases are no longer on the decline. Rather, new cases are now holding steady at best. And in 21 states, cases are on the rise. And we're still averaging about 1,000 deaths per day. So am I going to the beach this year on vacation, he says? I don't think so. And Margaret reminds us of all of these uh, politically right-wing judges that uh, the Republicans have been hastily infesting our judiciary with, points out that when there are legal efforts, even if like we elect a Democratic um, Congress, a Democratic president, um, you've got these judges who will push back and declare unconstitutional any efforts to roll back things to restrictions and uh, drilling and the raping of public lands. This is what um, uh, Margaret is writing. Workers' rights, etc. They know what they're doing under the radar of most Americans. And she says there are all these lower-level federal judges appointed for life. Yes, and one of the mo- there are two requirements for the Republicans, for these judges they've been appointed, pointing. They got to be right wing and they got to be young as they can possibly be. So they are putting on the federal judiciary for life these wet behind the ears, right wing pups who have never been a judge before and they're putting them on the federal judiciary never tried a case, never done much of anything except belong to the right clubs, knew the right people, and they are overwhelmingly white and male. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, The... COVID report by Allegheny County is out, and we are now up to 172 deaths in the county and over 2,000 cases, uh, 2,034. Um, I don't want to be one of them. Now, the odds are I will be at at some point, 
The odds are you will will be too. The odds are, and that and that is, if we even continue to be careful, all of these people being uncareful are making things so much harder. Americans are going to turn out to show themselves to be the stupidest humans on earth. Incapable of making wise choices. Incapable of facing temporary restriction. Incapable of thinking beyond themselves and their desires. And because of that, there will be more dead Americans as a result of this pandemic than almost any other nation on earth per capita. The only one giving us a run for our money is Brazil. And Brazil, of course, elected a Trump clone who now is darkly making uh, moves to potentially have a military coup to gain control. His people are dying like flies. This is the same guy who is continuing to destroy the, uh, the Amazon rainforest, which has a huge impact on life on Earth. Just to put things in uh, here, there are seven cases uh, increased since yesterday here, and um, three additional deaths since yesterday, okay? Now, we hadn't seen that for a while. This is it's ticking up here a little bit, too. Be careful. Don't kid yourself. And by the way, did you see that a whole bunch of Republicans yesterday voted against removing a bust from the Capitol building, a bust of the founder of the KKK? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Sure you can. Sure you can. Okay, that's it. I'll try to nail down Mr. Dito for tomorrow. It's not like he doesn't have things to do. Uh, poor guy's been working uh, 24-7, uh, seven days a week, and I think uh, so has the rest of the staff of uh, City Paper. Uh, and I, I, I urge you uh, to continue any financial support of the paper that you can. It is amazing that they're hanging in there. Amazing. So be careful out there. Okay? And steal yourself for perhaps another year of this. We can do this. Be smart. Stay alive. I want you to stay alive. Okay? See you tomorrow. Lincoln Live. 
Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.